Well, Lauren, I ate the donut today. You sure did. <laughs> and that's not a euphemism or slang for anything. Literally, oh, no. I ate the donut because it was just us. There was no other guest in the studio today. Due to my uh, scheduling error, it was just the two of us, and it was really nice, actually. I it felt was. like we had a chance to converse. I, I went on and on and on about something I feel very passionate about, which is traveling and getting out of one's comfort zone to experience the world out there. And I hope it, you know, maybe my ramblings will inspire others just to get out and about, do something different, get some perspective, have new adventures, on and on. How about you? You want to get out? Where would you go right now? See. Well, I just handed you a ticket somewhere. Where are you going? Well, I haven't been back to Los Angeles since uh, 2007. Oh, things have changed down there. Okay, get down to L.A. And what will you do? You'll take in a taping of The Price is Right. That's right. And? Or Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. So, see Game Show? Right. Get a meal somewhere? Uh, sure. Okay, Any, anything down there that you particularly... Uh, well, you know, we haven't really talked about... Well. Well, maybe I also like to go to the Los Angeles Zoo. I, I haven't been there yet. Oh, that is a nice zoo. I've, it's been years and years, but I have some very fond memories of that spot. Well, thank you for being a great uh, conversation companion, although I think I dominated with my apologies, but That's it's right. great to have a little more one-on-one -on -one time with Lauren Mole. Right. We invite you to join Judd at his family's winery at the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at Judd'sHill.com or by calling 707-255-2332. That's right, and thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Mole. If folks would like to visit us, we welcome you. We want to show you a good time. Whether you are a visitor to Napa Valley or a local, come on in, say hey. Enjoy what we have to offer, the beautiful views from our tasting terrace, and of course, the delicious wine. If you're online, you can put some wine in your shopping cart, and uh, let's, give them a little, let's give them a little deal for being a listener, Lauren. Just type in coupon code JNVS, all in lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. And if that's not enough, you can join the Judd's Hill Wine Club anytime, day or night. <laughs> that's absolutely right, and we guarantee a good time, and you get to try all the wines at a good price. And now, today's show. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Live from the Broadcast Park Studios of KVON-AM, legendary broadcasting facility of Napa, California. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time once again for Judd Fickelstein and Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another hippo. Of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No sales script and no rehearsing. Live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Pardon me. I'll have a Chardonnay, a marvelous date, it's hard to say. I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a must-have on the podcast. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can't ease this flow if I elaborate over a Cabernet. My buddy's the truth. You should study my man Juddy and learn something new. And now, live from Broadcast Park in Napa Valley, California, at the historic KVON Studios, 
It's Mr. Announcer, Napa Valley himself, Lauren Moult. Love is a many splendor thing. It's the April rose that only grows in the early spring. Love is nature's way of giving a reason to be living. The golden crown that makes a man a king. In honor of forever plaid at Lucky Penny. Now playing through March 3rd. And now, here's your host, Chad Finkelstein. Good morning, Lauren. How are you, sir? What's going on in the world of Lauren Mole? Oh, man, Judd, I had a great weekend. You did. I'd love to hear all about it. Okay, so first, let's go back to Valentine's Day, which was, I think, this past Thursday. So Valentine's Day, I went to see the Rockapella concert at uh, Napa Valley College, which I think was a tremendous success. That looked like a lot of fun. It, it was, and I heard your name was actually in the playbill. What? But uh, I, I just want to thank the Oh, people. I know. Yes, because I'm on the advisory board of E&M Productions, That's which right. was uh, who produced this. Uh, that must have been it. Well, then I just want to thank all the many wonderful people that made this possible. And believe it or not, Judd, this is actually the third time I've seen Rockapella. Rockapella. In concert. Yeah, the first two times were back at the, at the Opera House. Fun. 2011 and 2012. Very talented group of singers. Oh, they are. First song on Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego in the, in That's the 90s. What, did they lead with that? That, that? They were the vocal group from that TV show. No, that I know. But was that the first song that they sang? No. Said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. Did they do that song? Oh, they did. Kind of have to, right? Right. And and for the third time, Judd, that I've seen Rockapilla in concert, Carmen Sandiego did not show up. <laughs> well, where? I was looking forward to So that. where in the world is, yeah. Uh, uh. I thought she was going to come out and sing Havana by Kamala Cabana. <laughs> You want to give us a few bars of that? Uh, nah, no. not not today. Were you inspired to sing along, mm-hmm. or you just took in the show? Uh, I I just took in the show. Oh, that's good. That's it good. was that's fabulous. Good. Well, good, good. And then uh, a Saturday night, I went to uh, I, w- I went to a, a prom, uh, a, the Better Together prom at yes. Justin Siena High well, School. Okay, let's talk about that. I want to hear about this. This seemed like a really wonderful affair that was being put on. I know quite a few folks who did go, but I haven't spoken to any of them since. So you're the first person I know that's been uh, that I'm running into. So please tell us all about it. Uh, it's actually uh, for for special needs individuals, mm-hmm. and uh, also uh, regular regular high school kids could come along too. And uh, the the band that was there was Wonder Bread Five. Oh, really? Wow, they're great. Oh, they are. Were you dancing? I was. Were you boogieing? Uh, I was. Some Were you cutting songs- a rug? No. Were you tearing it up? <laughs> okay, go. no, no. Go but, ahead. Uh, some of the songs I did know. Wonder Red Five. They do a lot of. Uh, what am I saying? Is it eighties or seventies? Um, what is kind, it? I've kind of in between. Kind of in there. I, I should know this. I've actually seen them before and remember having a really great time. But a really fun uh, cover band. Lots of great hits that people would know. And it was a big success. It was a huge success. Did you dress up? Did you wear a tuxedo to the prom? Uh, I actually wore a suit from. Uh, a suit. Okay. From a company that actually has an outlet at the Fairfield Mall, which I can't name. <laughs> okay. You don't like to give away the free plugs, well, I, I know. Chuck, that's what you told me not to do. <laughs> well, I, you know what? Since we do not have the camera, the webcam here in the studio that you have been wanting. And that's what it, we're going to get at the new place. Okay, okay. Um, I prefer not having it. That's just me. I like radio as theater of the mind. We come up with our own images in our head as to what uh, we're hearing. But we talk about what a sharp dresser you are, and today's no exception. You you still look like you 
could be going to a Valentine's. I mean, you've got the red button-down shirt, very sharp. Your hair is done. So I think people probably would like to know, and I'm going to allow you to let folks know where you buy your suits. Who is your haberdasher, Mr. Lauren Mole? Men's Warehouse ah, in yeah. Fairfield. They guarantee it. They guarantee it. And it works for you. It, it always works you for you always me. look sharp. Right. Yes. And then on Sunday, which was uh, two days ago, I went to see Forever Plaid at mm. uh, Lucky Penny, which was another tremendous success. What a fun show. It I, is. I have yet to go to this production with Lucky Penny, but it's it's coming up. We're, we're going really soon. Ah. Yes. I can't wait to see it. I saw it years ago, probably 20 years ago or something. in. Wow. Uh, Done in the Los Angeles area and loved it. Thought it was hilarious. Saw it again up here. I think our good friend Andrew Moore many years ago was uh, was in that uh, production up here in Napa. And again, fantastic. Can't wait to see it again. That's right. And also uh, also Sunday after the show. Let's give it a plug. You know, you're plugging. That's at Lucky Penny Productions right now. That's right. Who's Playing down through March, March 3rd. Okay, folks, go see Forever Plaid. It is fun. It's funny, it's great music, it's doo-wop singing, it's uh, it's a good time. It's a good night at the theater. It is. And then after the show, uh, me, my mom, my dad, and a longtime friend of my mom's, Marilyn Salzman, uh, we went to Compadres one last time. Ah, yes. The end of an era. That uh, ended just this weekend, right? They Actually, it doors. ended yesterday. Yeah, yeah. President's Day. What a Napa Valley institution that's been for the decades. 32 years, I hear. Is it 32? Yes. And I just want to wish Rick Enos and all his Stafford crew all the best. Yeah. And wherever they end up next. Of course. Of course. Well, it does sound like you had a nice full weekend. That's great. I did. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Wonderful. So, uh, so what's been going on with you, Judd? You know, what can I tell you? I was out of town this weekend. Uh, ran down to do some uh, family, some family obligations and fun things uh, down in Southern California, Los Angeles and Orange County. And had a nice time. A lot of driving, though. Boy, the weather made it for a long... I don't like talking about traffic, but let's just say I think I think most days are made up of about 24 hours. And just getting there and back was about a 22-hour thing. Wow. <laughs> let's just say that. But we made the okay. most of it. And we, we made some stops to, to break it up. We had fun. And then when, when we were down there, we had a great time. We saw lots of folks. We saw... You know, 98-year-old grandma um, who is just spry and great sense of humor and active. So all those moments are precious and uh, totally, totally worth the trip. We continued our donut adventures. You know that I do go nuts for donuts. Right. Uh, So do I. And here I'm aware. And uh, wherever we travel, we stop. And Southern California has no shortage of donut shops. So we hit a few. And I'm still... You know, we had some great donuts, but I'm st- I'm still into I'm still into the the Napa scene. The Napa Valley donut scene is alive and well, kicking, delicious. It's uh it's what it is. And uh, you know what? How about this? I would like at this very moment to offer you. We're not even going to wait to open these. I'm not asking anybody to go nuts for donuts, but I've got a pink box right here. Lauren Mole. Uh Open it up. Have a donut. We're going to get comfortable. I, I think you may have noticed at this point that no one else is in the studio with us. Right. You've noticed this. Uh, yes. What are you doing with that knife? I'm going to open the pink box. Oh, okay, good. Okay. <laughs> you got me worried there. That looked menacing for a moment. Actually, no. Of course not. You are a gentle soul. Thank you for opening that up. You're welcome. Uh, there's nobody joining us here. This is uh, a rarity. Because uh, just like Mary Poppins, I'm practically perfect in every way. Right. But 
not right now. I had a little scheduling mishap. I had put a future guest uh, that will be joining us very soon on this show in upcoming weeks as today's guest, uh, mistakenly, totally my error, Ooh. and discovered this uh, way too late in the game to make other plans. So uh, this person will join us soon, but today we are not being joined by anybody. So you and I are going to have a nice talk. So what I want you to do is get comfortable, have a donut. I have a... Uh, I have some coffee here for you. Oh, oh thanks, uh, Or would Judd. you prefer a Mai Tai? Uh, I think it's kind of a little early for a Mai Tai, Judd. Oh, okay. But actually, what's in a good Mai Tai anyway? Oh, are you sure? Okay, you're opening a can of worms now. This is a... Uh, I'm a snob. Here, let me offer you this so you can have this. Here's a coffee. You know, I don't know how you take your coffee, so I brought along in this bag. There's some sugar. Oh. There's some uh, half and half. There's a French vanilla creamer. There's a hazelnut creamer. So go have... Oh, go. gosh. Thanks, Judd. Yeah, you go. Best thing in six years. Well, almost six years. Okay. Well, you enjoy that because we're going to get comfy. We're going to hunker down here and converse. So to answer your question, Lauren Mole, as you know, I am one of the uh, great cocktail appreciators, aficionados, snobs. Um, Well, technically, yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. I am – I'm just tooting my horn now. I am – I'm the founder of Foam – Friends of Ardent Mixology, Napa Valley's Cocktail Appreciation Guild. Uh, as much as I love wine, which I do, I'm probably more of a cocktail snob. I give wine the benefit of the doubt. I know what it takes uh, to make good wine. I know that wine is dynamic and ever-changing. And depending on when you sip it and crack the bottle, it can be of a, uh, it can have different personalities and character. But for a cocktail... It's made for instant gratification right there, and there's no excuse for a bad drink because the bartender can taste it, adjust it right off the bat. The wine's got to sit in the barrels. It's got to sit in the bottle. You just never know what it's, where it's going to be, and you can't do much about it once you pop the cork. But with a cocktail, there's no excuses. So you, you touched on a sore subject for me. It's not a sore subject. What am I saying? Well, a bad Mai Tai is a sore subject. That's oh, what I'm well. saying. That perhaps is the most... You know, folks could debate this, but I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say it is the most mismade. That's a more polite way than what I was thinking first. Uh, cocktail, because there really is a mai tai. There is a recipe for a mai tai. This You're has right. gone to this has gone to court, and there's a whole history, and folks can look this up. Trader Vic Bergeron of Trader Vic's came up with this drink in 1944. Others have claimed the invention. It's gone to court. It was settled uh, either in the late se- – right, I think in the late 70s. Again, someone – you know, look this up. I don't have my research team on it right now. But this was settled in court that Trader Vic is the originator of what we know as the Mai Tai. From 1944, he created this drink at his bar in Oakland, California. Can you believe that? The most uh, recognized tropical drink, like the quintessential tropical cocktail – doesn't come from Hawaii. Doesn't come from French Polynesia, Oakland, California. You know, I think I might have heard about Isn't that, that somewhere. Cool? And we had Eve Berger on Vic's uh, granddaughter on the show. That's right, but actually not here at Broadcast Park, but at our frequent remote location at the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. Very appropriately so, being that her grandfather was one of the progenitors of the tiki uh, cocktail and tiki bar genre. So, to make a proper mai tai, my friend. The only, it shouldn't, I'm not saying these other drinks are bad. You know, to each his or her own. If you like uh, rum with pineapple juice and orange juice and grenadine, 
please enjoy it. I want you to have what you like, but don't call it a Mai Tai. Uh, don't call it a Mai Tai. Here's what a Mai Tai is. The only fruit juice in a Mai Tai is fresh squeezed lime. You got that? Lime juice. That that's gives right. it that nice, bright pop. And that's about a half an ounce or so. I, I wish I had the recipe right in front of me. But I'm going to give you the, I'm gonna give you the, the general idea. Oh, here's, I'm going to put in a plug for someone I think is fabulous. Beach Bum Berry. He is a cocktail archaeologist. He's been publishing uh, books since about uh, 1998 or so. The Grog Log, Sip and Safari, Intoxica. Just look him up. He now has his own bar in New Orleans called Latitude 29. But Beach Bum Berry took it upon himself to scour the reserves, the archives, libraries, private collections. He hunted down bartenders of the era from the 30s and 40s, 50s, you know, the tiki bar heyday. Uh, he's, he's been finding these people, interviewing them to preserve the art of the tiki cocktail. So he's got an app, which you can look up. And I, I know it's on the iPhone. It might be for Android as well. But look up Beach Bum Berry. And it's called, I should whip this out because, of course, I've got it. And this is going to give you the Mai Tai recipe as well as hundreds of other recipes. I don't mind giving, the, giving it uh, a plug. It's called Total Tiki. That's the name of it, appropriately so. Total Tiki because I want people to be educated on proper tiki cocktails. I think they get a bad rap. But anyway, here we go. A Mai Tai. I could look it up on the app right now, but I'm not going to. Folks, get the app. You'll find it. I'm just going to go by memory. Fresh lime juice, about a half an ounce, right? You're going to have about a half an ounce of an orange curacao, an orange liqueur. A quarter ounce of a simple syrup, just a little sweetener. About a quarter ounce of orgeat, that's an almond syrup. You got to be careful. There's a lot of orgeat syrups out there. Some of them are kind of artificially. You want to find one that's pretty natural. Give it that nice uh, almond and other spice kind of flavor. Then the types of rum are very important. You want to have two rums, an aged Martinique, so an agricole rum, and a uh, nice dark Jamaican. Shake it all up with some crushed ice. Pour it into, and those are about an ounce each of the, uh, of the rums. Put it into a double old-fashioned glass with the crushed ice. Garnish it with the spent lime shell that you use to squeeze into the drink and a sprig of mint. And my friend... That is a good drink. I'll bet it is. Oh, it's great. You know, if you can't find the two uh, rums, uh, which you, you can find it here at uh, Lawler's Liquors or perhaps Bedmo somewhere here in town, uh, Trader Vic's makes a rum called the Royal Amber. And if you only want to have one rum, if you don't have a big budget or a uh, lot of shelf space in your liquor cabinet, call, get the Trader Vic's Royal Amber rum and use two ounces of that. It's already blended. So it's ready to go. Ah. <sighs> I feel so much better just getting that out there in the open. Oh, which uh, donut did you go there? That's the chocolate old-fashioned. Aren't you glad I didn't pick the maple old-fashioned donut? I'm surprised. I brought it. You go nuts every time someone uh, gets that. You go nuts for that donut. I go nuts for this kind of donut. (laughs) Well, you enjoy. So what should we talk about? Let's, um, you know, I often bring up, I often bring up my feeling that folks should get out of their bubble. I think we get a little uh, stuck in a rut. And it's very easy to do, especially here in our, you know, rat race, uh, 
hectic daily lives that uh, kind of seem to consume us here in America, um, <clears throat> that we got to get out in the bubble, experience difference. And I mean that different location, different culture, different food. Just get out and experience something different. So I've said this quote before. I'm going to say it again. Just I love it so much. This is Mark Twain from Innocence Abroad. And he said, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. That's Mark Twain, and I think he had a good point. And this could mean any kind of travel. I don't necessarily mean you got to get out, although it's nice to go international. We don't always have the opportunity or the means to do that. I would advocate that every person own a passport, whether you plan on using it or not, just to have it gives you one less excuse not to get out. It's very easy to get. You go right online, U.S. government uh, website, and you can apply. It'll come, and then it's there. It's in your back pocket. So if the opportunity arises, boom, you're off. You can see another country. Uh, this happened to me recently, in fact. Uh, I wasn't expecting to be able to have an international trip, and an opportunity came up. It was a business opportunity, and uh, it was actually offered a trip, which was very nice and generous, but it gave us a chance to get out and, uh, and go somewhere we've never been before. And that was uh, French Polynesia. That was a few weeks ago. That was in January. And what a lovely experience it was. I had never been down there. Lauren, you know how I've got a thing. I love Hawaii. I've been over there, of course. Right. I, love, uh, I love the tropical feeling, the, the warm, humid air, the lush vegetation. And this, Wow. It took it to another level. I would say in an adjective to sum it all up, dreamy, absolutely dreamy. The, the, the topography, the geography, the water, the, the, the fact that we could just take these walks and see mangoes growing on trees and papayas and coconuts and bananas and just think, wow, this is gorgeous. To see the sights was something else, but also just to experience the culture down there, to hear other languages being spoken, I think is fascinating. And it does my soul good. You know, maybe it's not for everybody, but I think everyone should give it a chance. We got to hear the Tahitian language uh, and other dialects. You know, there are, I think, 160, 180 different islands that make up French Polynesia. We visited five of them, Tahiti, Taha'a, Huahini, Bora Bora, and Morea. We got to hear French being spoken. We got to try the different cuisines and hear why the people eat these types of foods uh, there, what's available, how beef is a luxury, something that we kind of take for granted. You know, they really don't get much of when they go on vacation. <laughs> I hear a lot of beef is consumed. Um, when they get home, it's a lot of fish and local fruits and vegetables. Anyhow, all of this comes together to experience another culture, to get a little perspective on how other people live in other parts of the world. And I just, I absolutely... Loved it. Visiting the farmer's market. Although I don't think they call it the farmer's market. It's just the marketplace there in Papaete, Tahiti. It was fascinating to see the array of the, the flowers, the gorgeous flowers being sold and, the, and the, the aromas coming off those flowers. In fact, right here in our station, there is a, uh, there's, a <laughs> there's a canister of air freshener in the men's room. And it's called Tahiti. <laughs> and... 
I don't know that I ever noticed it. I don't know if it was there before, but I only, I only noticed it today for the first time. So, of course, uh, I, I give it a little spritz in the air and and uh, you know turn my nostrils up to take in a whiff and uh, you know I I, I don't I, I can't say that it brought back memories of Tahiti, uh, but but it but it was um, but Tahiti itself had this great aroma about it and getting out in the world. This sounds so silly, but even the smells of a place can be heartwarming. And there was something about being in this marketplace where you smelled the mixture of the, the fresh flowers and um, the French influence. So there's baguettes. So there's fresh bread being baked and there's coffee being brewed. And then there's fresh fish getting pulled out right out of the water and uh, available there. They're, they're cutting up fish fillets. And even that aroma, which may not be the most pleasant, but mixed in with everything, to me, that was the smell of Tahiti. And I, I'll, I'll always remember that, you know, uh, aroma is such a trigger for memories. And I, I, I'll, I'll cherish that smell being in that, in that situation. Yeah. Well, being that you just mentioned the Tahiti air freshener in the, in the men's bathroom, yeah. I think the people here at Wind Down Media wanted to compliment you, Judd. <laughs> I think they thought of you. You think they put that in there for me? Uh, J- yeah. J- Judd like this. It's like Tahiti. Yeah. I thought Will and Jalisa and our new general manager and program director, thought of it well um kudos to them it was nice to see and actually if if any of them are listening uh, at the moment we do have some extra donuts in here for anybody who's around the station oftentimes the radios are on around the station they might be listening come on and have a donut come say hi we're going to take a break and then i want to talk about uh, an experience that i had recently that we talked a little bit about off the air you and me lauren and made an allusion to a few weeks ago about, oh, we should get back to this and talk about it on the air sometimes. So we're going to talk about it on the air. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Everyone's a Fingal friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. You're listening to 1440 KVON, the voice of the Napa Valley. Now... Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thanks, Lauren. I sure do appreciate it. Now, often when we come out of the commercial break, I play this kind of rock and roll tag for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And I'm going to play it in a moment. But I want to uh, introduce who does it. And it's a really dear friend of ours. His name is Chris Wabich. He's a drummer and a creative guy. He recorded this for us. He's going through some pretty serious uh, health issue right now. So what I would like to do is while we play this upbeat rock and roll Judd's Napa Valley show uh, musical tag, if just everybody listening could keep Chris uh, in your thoughts for a moment and send healing vibes his way. I know I'd appreciate it. He'd appreciate it. He's a really dear guy, a phenomenal musician who tours the world with some of the top names. I mean, I won't get into it right now, but you would know tons of these famous people he plays with. He's just a remarkable drummer. A super, super good guy as well. And a, a dear friend of mine. In fact, uh, we call each other cousin. We're that close. So I'm going to play it right now. And let's just keep him in our thoughts, selling healing vibes his way. All right, Chris Wabich with that tag, and we're send all of our healing vibes your way, Chris. Uh, you're in our thoughts. Lauren. 
Yes, Judd. Just before the break, we were talking about uh, getting out of one's bubble, experiencing something new, getting passports, uh, whatnot. But you don't really need to go international. And this is this is what I wanted to talk about. This was an opportunity to really experience the world kind of in our own backyard. Because here in California, it's a vast, it's a vast, vast state, as you know, with uh, different geography, different topography, just like French Polynesia I was talking about a moment ago. No, it's not just like French Polynesia, but everything from, you know, deserts to mountains and skiing and surfing and cultures very widely throughout the state, regional dialects and cuisines and whatnot. So over the winter break, I thought, you know, let's... We always go down south, visit family, and we usually just get in the car. Seven hours later, we're there. I said, this year, let's let's take five days, and we're going to explore the state, and we're going to go places we have never been before. It's going to be our way to <clears throat> excuse me, get out of our – well, I shouldn't have eaten all that donut during the break. My goodness, it's choking me up. I love them, but uh, – <clears throat> so Me, I. me, me, me. Okay. It's going down. As, uh, as Mark Twain said, it's uh, hopefully – can imbue some broad, wholesome, and charitable views uh, of the world just in our own state of California. So we decided we're going to take the kids. We're going to go places we've never been. And I started looking up, uh, you know, California road trips online and pretty much all the blogs out there, all the big travel websites tell you the same stuff. It's like, go down the coast, go to San Francisco, go to Pier 39, go to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, go to Hearst Castle, go to... Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, which is great. And we've done all that stuff, and I'd love to do it again. Well, actually, Judd, some of those places you've actually mentioned, I've been there. Yeah. No, it's they're wonderful places, and you probably loved being there. And Well, I, I haven't been to Santa Barbara yet. Okay. Well, you'll get there. It's on the beaten path, but we wanted to go off the beaten path. So I had to do a little bit more research, and uh, we decided to go east. I, I, I used a little bit of my own research skill, a couple of... Cool websites are Atlas Obscura, which has just interesting places all over the world and tons in California. And then do you remember the host of California Gold? It was the show out of Los Angeles. Oh, Hugh Hauser. God bless him. Absolutely. One of the greatest on on PBS. Yes, out of uh, KCET from Los Angeles. Hugh Hauser and his cameraman companion, Louie, would travel all over California. And we should take a moment and acknowledge the late, great Huell Hauser and all he contributed to getting out and experiencing California. Thank you, Huell, uh, wherever you are now. Yes, bow your head. Thank you, Lauren. Great personality, always excited for everything he ever experienced. If anybody's seen the uh, Winnie the Pooh movie that came out, I don't know, several years ago, probably. Uh, you know, I, I actually didn't see that yet. Seven, eight years ago. You I haven't pro- seen that? No, I, I probably should see it. It's cute. It's very cute. It and and I, hey, I love Disney. I love all things Disney. It, it's great. I remember, took my kids when they were super little, and throughout it, there's not to give spoilers, and I don't know if this is really spoiling, but they're afraid of a monster called the Baxen, right? Throughout the movie. Okay, I don't want to spoil. Okay, if you don't want to know the ending, stop listening. Just cover it. Go la 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 for about 10 seconds. So you don't see the Baxen. Then the credits roll. At the very end, after all the credits, the Baxen appears, and it's voiced by none other than Huell Hauser. Oh. And it's so great. And it's in t- I didn't know that. And it's in typical Huell Hauser. He's just so friendly. This this monster that they built up to be this scary. He just he comes out and he's just great. And he's just it's Huell Hauser. He's so excited. He says, 
wow, look, I found a marble. He's just so great. Anyhow, so we looked up where Hewell Hauser, if you go online, you can see a website about Hewell Hauser and the places he's visited. And several of them looked great, probably appropriate for the kids. So that's how we planned out this road trip. And so what we did is we hit the road and the first stop was Sacramento. Now, we've been to Sacramento before. Me too. Sure. I love that The place. state capital. I figure if we're going to go see the state, let's start at the capital. We had never done a tour of the capital building. Now, I think I did it when I was in junior high school. It was a long time ago. I've never taken the kids. Do you remember who the governor was at the time? When I was in junior high school, I was giving away uh, a little much, but it was George Duke Mason. Ah. Yes. That's who the governor was when I first toured the capital. But this time, we got a, a tour set up. And <laughs> excuse me, it was it was kind of an odd situation. We showed up, and this, this story is going somewhere, so just bear with me. We showed up for the tour at the exact time when we were told, "Please don't be late." Um, you know, they leave at certain times, and we showed up at the tour desk, and there was a tour guide at the desk who showed absolutely no interest <laughs> in us. Like, like almost like she was so disappointed that we had showed up. Now, there was a little choral concert going on in the rotunda for the holidays, and she seemed to be into that. So, I mean, she just looked at me. She didn't say hi, anything. I said, oh, hi, you know, we're here for the 11 o'clock tour, and she just stared at me. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, if you want to take a few minutes, like, we weren't running anywhere. I was just told, don't be late, you know, check in when it's time so you don't miss the tour. So I said, if you want to stay and watch the music for a little while, that's fine. We will too. That's cool. And she got kind of grumpy. She's like, no, we're going to, we'll go. I'm like, okay, totally up to you. And it's just us. It's just, you know, my wife and the kids. I mean, it's the four of us. And she was so grumpy, this person. Really had no interest in us. Really, I think she would have rather been doing anything else but show us around the Capitol. She'd leave us in rooms without letting us ask questions or even realizing that she had left and then we'd find her by the elevator and she'd give us a look like, why weren't you behind me? Well, we didn't know you left. Anyhow, that went on for a while and to the point where we actually asked somebody else, can we get another tour guide? And this guy said, actually, she's the only one right now. Anyhow, where I'm going to go with this, because it turned into something. At some point, I don't know what inspired her to become friendly, but she looked down at uh, my younger daughter who was wearing one of these be kind buttons that I'm wearing right now, one of the kindness kids. And she looked at her and she said, what's that? What is that about? And my daughter didn't miss a beat and she didn't let this negative energy influence her. She looked up and she said, Oh, it's be kind. And we wear this to spread kindness and give her a little bit of the story behind it. And then she took it off and gave it to this lady. This woman did an absolute 180 degree turn in her attitude towards us. She became all smiles. She could not believe that she was being gifted this button. And she herself was wearing like a little snowman button for the holidays. She took it off and gave it to my daughter and said, you know, one good turn deserves another. From that point on, she could not do enough for us. And I think she realized, she said, "Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I've been in grumpy grandma mode today. And I figured maybe something's going on at home. You know, try to give people the benefit of the doubt. You never know. Ah. But when you're the ambassador of the state of California, you think you're going to be a little more welcoming. But anyway, at this point, she couldn't have been nicer. Her voice became sing-song. She was introducing the kids to people in the hallway. You know, the people were walking by. I don't know, state 
workers. I don't know who they were, but she kept saying, hey, you got to meet these kids. They do this kindness thing. She said, you know what? Let me see if we can get you into the governor's office. And she did. I mean, she could not do enough. We got in the governor's office. He wasn't there at the moment, but the people in the office were very excited to get some be kind buttons. It, it just turned into the nicest. It, it started off as like the worst experience we could have there into the nicest. And it just shows that every little iota of kindness that you can give without much effort even just to give her a button completely change someone's day. I, I was very inspired by that. And it showed me that um, this be kind movement, you know, there's really something to it and it really affects people's lives. You don't even have to be a part of a movement. I mean, really, it's just it's so cliche, but just say hi, just smile at somebody, ask them how they're doing. It's it, it makes a world of difference. So that was kind of fun. And we wanted to introduce our kids to all sorts of experiences on this California road trip. So that night, we met some cousins, we went out for Ethiopian food, which the kids absolutely flipped for. They thought it was delicious and they got to eat with their hands. I mean, that's the traditional way. And, you know, I mean, Lauren, you know, my kids, uh, I don't know if we've ever shared meals with them before. Maybe at Trader Vic's that time, but, uh, I think so. Or at, uh, Yucapalooza, we were kind of eating together, but, I, but you know, if they can avoid a fork and knife at, <laughs> at any opportunity, they'll take it. So this was a whole night of them eating with their hands and they'll, they'll never forget that. Now they ask to go for Ethiopian food with some regularity if we're in another town. Like, ooh, do they have Ethiopian restaurant? Uh, all the spices and aromas. Anyhow, they loved that. From there, we went on to Mercer Caverns. You ever been there? Hmm, don't believe I have. Again, a place I had never been. I mean, and it's been there forever, basically. From really? the, From Gold Rush days is when it became a bit of a tourist attraction. Ah. I mean, obviously, it's millions of years old. It's a it's a cavern with with stalagmites and stalactites and all these beautiful mineral formations and i'd never been in a cavern kids had never been in a cavern and it was uh, a wonderful experience to go down there i think we were 160 feet down into the earth and there's stairs now they put in so they don't lower you down on ropes like they did 100 years ago with a candle <laughs> which seemed a little scary but now you can go down there and see just the, the natural beauty is astounding. That, that's just outside the old mining town of Murphy's, which is pretty cool to see in and of itself. From there, we went over to Columbia State Historic Park, which I had never been to. Again, this was just a way to take in new experiences for me and my family, to you know, broaden our horizons, get out of that little bubble. So the kids have heard about the gold rush. I don't know that they've studied it extensively or even know the significance of it in these little towns there in the Sierra, in fact, in Sonora right there. One of my kids said, I don't feel like we're in California because they're used to what goes on around here or down in Los Angeles. And it's a very different vibe up there. And I said, yeah, isn't this amazing how huge California is and all the different places? And I said, if it wasn't for this particular area, you know, California wouldn't really exist as we know it. And then we learned about the history of the gold rush, which was centered right around there, and how that really led to the development of the rest of California. Anyhow, Columbia State Historic Park, have you been over there? I don't think I have. I hadn't either, and um, I've mentioned it to a lot of folks, and quite a few have gone, but quite a few have never heard of it either uh, amongst my friends. It's amazing. It's Columbia, California. It's this little town, and they have preserved a few blocks of the town they haven't recreated it. They've preserved it from gold rush days. So it's as it was. And they've kept, they've maintained it. And it's so cool. 
you know, boarded sidewalks and, you know, the dirt street. And there's a stagecoach goes through town and you can pan for gold. There's a candy shop there where you watch them actually pull, hand pull candy and make candy canes. What else did they have? There's a, you know, saloon and hotel. We stayed in a hotel from the 1850s. Didn't see any ghosts. I was looking. I was hoping there'd be something. But just really amazing to be in that atmosphere. And then a state park ranger gave a tour. And we learned about the history of the place. And this was interesting. He talked about, he didn't know we were from Napa, but he mentioned that once the gold had kind of dried up in that area, he says there's still gold deep down, but the cost to extract it would would be more than the gold was worth. So it's still down there. But once they got all the gold off the top, the town kind of started to die out and the miners left and went back to their lives. And he said many of them had been farmers and had come from all over and saw that Napa Valley and the city of Napa, because it was a bit of a port town on the river, had good agricultural land. So many of the gold miners came to Napa. And I said, wow, we're from Napa. He said, yeah, yeah. A lot of the early Napans came from this area right up here where they were mining for gold. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Something to learn. Wherever we ate, or excuse me, wherever we went, we tried to eat something interesting as well that maybe we hadn't had a lot of experience with. So we had the Ethiopian dinner in the town of Sonora. There's a, it was a really good ramen, you know, Japanese ramen. You ever had that? Check it out. That's that's good. That's a nice steaming bowl of noodle soup. It's delicious. Well, I, I have heard of it though. Yeah. Give it a shot. It's a little different than the top ramen you'd buy in the store. And that was called Yoshoku, I believe, is that place. I'm giving them a plug because it was really good. Oh, this was neat, too. This really showed the kids how these towns were formed and what they were formed on. There's a bookstore and ice cream parlor called Legends in Sonora, this old mining town, which is really cute. And in this store, the top floor is this beautiful, it looks like a turn-of-the-century ice cream parlor, very fancy, you know, with chandeliers and a piano. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Your face lit up. Oh, man. I would love to go there. Well, yes, just for that fact alone, good ice cream. But you head down some stairs, and you're in in a bookstore. Ah. And the bookstore is built into an old gold mine shaft. I didn't know that. It was so cool. And we got to show the kids, like, what gold mines looked like. Because even though there was bookshelves all over, it was still exposed uh, beams and posts and rock walls. There was even a stream going through it because, you know, there's natural water just flowing that they could pan for. And it was going right through this bookstore. It was really amazing, eye-opening. From there, we drove a little while down to Fresno. And I'd never spent any time in Fresno before. And folks have raised their eyebrow at me when I said we spent a night of our vacation in Fresno. And I said, why would you go there? I said, because I wanted to experience California. I want to see what this state is. I want to see who lives here. I want to see what's available. I want to see what the different cultures are. And in Fresno, there is a very large uh, Armenian population that's, well, they do everything. I would say a lot of farmers, a lot of professionals, doctors, but there's a big population there. And one of our past guests, he's been here more than once, our good friend Arthur Hartunian from Napa Valley Distillery, who's a great guy and a great friend of the show and a great friend of mine, said, okay, if you go to Fresno, and he's of Armenian descent, he says, you got to go check out this great restaurant called George's Bar and Grill. And so we got into town just in dinner time, and we showed up at this place, and it was, it was like walking into home. Apparently, he had called ahead, and they, it's an Armenian restaurant. And when they found out, you know, we're friends of Arthur's, like, we 
we were royalty. They were so hospitable, so welcoming. And I don't think it was just because um, of that connection. I was looking around, and they were treating everybody so lovely. It felt like a real family gathering, even though we didn't know everybody at all the tables. But people were walking around saying hi to each other. The food was amazing. It just kept coming and coming. Uh, there was like a, a filet mignon with different spices on it. There was classic, um, you know, like a baba ganoush type stuff and kebabs and rice dishes and a, a spicy soup. Oh, my God. The food was incredible. So I would love to have people go there if you're driving down California and you want to try beautiful Armenian food with beautiful hospitality. George's Bar and Grill. 6680 North Blackstone Avenue. And besides trying food of other cultures, like from other countries, I like trying foods of different eras from our own American past. That is one of my hobbies is finding these classic dining rooms. And there's this place in Fresno called the Chicken Pie Shop, which has been there for more than 60 years. And you go in and it is an absolute time capsule. You get a chicken pot pie and a cup of coffee and you're back in 1959 and the, the decor hasn't changed with the Naga Hyde seats. Just very cool. From there, oh, this was kind of fun too. We talk about donuts and how I love them and how I, wherever we travel, we do a donut survey. And so my, my younger daughter, eight years old, nine now, she just turned nine. Every morning we'd wake up early, slip out, leave everyone else sleeping. And we would go get a trip advisor or talk to locals, find out where the best donuts in town. We'd go to that store and bring back a box of donuts. And that just made for a really fun way to check out what the donuts are like because they are regional. It, it, it changes from place to place. But it also was a nice uh, daddy-daughter bonding moment that we think fondly back on. Went down to Bakersfield. Now, Bakersfield is a treasure trove of old California design, businesses, signage that was just Remarkable. I had never spent time in Bakersfield either. Me neither. There is a large Basque population, you know, people from the French-Spanish uh, border area that have come and settled in Bakersfield, among some other places in the western U.S., but Bakersfield is a big population center, and there are a few Basque restaurants. This one that we went to, the Pyrenees Cafe, has been there since 1899. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm, looking, wow. I'm looking at your eyebrows going up. And you get a pecan punch which is the traditional Basque cocktail. And then you sit down at long tables, family style. You order your entree. I think I had an oxtail soup, a steak, a fish dish, uh, some garlic chicken. And then they bring out all the side dishes, which were fabulous. There's uh, beans, veggie soup, garlic bread, spaghetti. Uh, there was uh, salads, pickled tongue sliced pickled tongue comes out and here's where i feel all that other stuff is great but the pickled tongue fascinated my kids to no end and they looked at that and i'm very proud because they are now to the point where they know we are just going to keep exposing them to all kinds of weird stuff because we want them to have this view that everything should be experienced food wise you soak up culture many ways you soak up through language, through, well, conver conversing, actually meeting people, but also, uh, what did I say, music, uh, travel, of course, art, 
on and on, but one thing is food. So if you can eat the food of these other cultures, you get a sense of who they are. So they, they've been very open. When we went to Mexico City last year, uh, they ate ant eggs. Escamoles is the dish called Mexican caviar. That's what they called it down there. But they ate the, le- the, the tongue. I couldn't believe it. I didn't expect it, but the older one took a little taste that it's good, but that's enough. The younger one just kept going. So that is delicious. So definitely becoming citizens of the world, which I'm very proud of. What else did we do on that? Uh, there's a great tiki bar called Tiki Co., which was partially designed by the same fellow who did the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. Speaking of my ties earlier, met Santa there. This was a couple nights before Christmas. He was having a, a pre-sleigh ride, uh, probably a Navy Grog or something like that. Whatever you want. <laughs> I got a picture of it. There's uh, Duar's Candy Shop, which I learned about from Huell Hauser. That's a fun segment. If anybody wants to go on YouTube and look up Huell Hauser Duar's, it looks like Dewar's, but Duar's in Bakersfield. It's a candy shop that's been there since uh, 1919, I think, and they still make... Wow. They're famous for these chewy candies like taffy. They still make them. They've got an intact soda fountain from those days. Oh, careful, Judd. I got a sweet tooth, so I think I'll have to make sure to check out that place. I think you have to. You got to you got to check it. And while you're down there, there are the, it go it just goes into my love of old California. You can go to uh there's a restaurant Mexicali, famous Mexican restaurant there since 1953, although it has its roots in the 30s, but where it's been now since 1953 this I don't know how tall it is. It had to be like 20, 30 foot tall sign with neon, uh, which I love. And then you go inside and it's a sprawling hacienda and the ladies are wearing colorful dresses and the men are wearing you know, white shirts and bow ties. And you get the sense that you're in another era. And that's what I felt Bakersfield had to offer me anyhow. It spoke to me on that level. I got a sense of what California was like decades ago. A Chinese restaurant called the Rice Bowl. Since there, I asked them, "How long have you guys been here?" 1948. There's a lunch counter, famous lunch counter in a bowling alley that's been there since 1959, where they serve these famous fish and chips called Mossman's. And you get the sense that you were just in another decade, and it was so exciting for me, just because I love that stuff. But also to be able to show the kids, you know, a little bit about our history as Californians and uh, where we've been, where we've come. When you stop in these towns, as I can't, again, I said, you know, folks kind of looked at me like, why, why are you going there on your vacation? I said, because it's there. And I know if you just scratch the surface, there's something interesting to see for whatever you're into. And for me, I like mid-century modern design and architecture. I like, I like to eat. And it blends all these together. And it gets us out of our bubble. You know, we find ourselves... I'm talking about me personally, my family, you know, we're here in Napa, lovely, love it. I'm the first one to be the ambassador for the wonderfulness of Napa Valley. And we head to Southern California often. We find ourselves just kind of in these places all the time. We get used to going to certain spots. I think calling it a rut has a negative connotation, but we kind of get stuck in this rut. We enjoy it. We enjoy what we do. We know what we like, but it's so refreshing to get out and see what else is in the world once in a while. For me, myself, it's soul-satisfying to show my kids that there's more to life than just these couple places that we often end up is soul-satisfying. I think it's uh, I think it's important. We'll just go back to Mark Twain, travel is fatal to prejudice, and we're going to leave it at that. I just realized we're out of time. We got to go. We oh. ate up an hour. Oh, yeah, I just, we, we, I, we got... I just got to talking. We got to go. Yeah, we got to make way for the next show. 
This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gillabar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.